0: Well, this is the third week of our series, Follow. Uh, we started out by saying that uh, you don't have to believe in Jesus to follow Jesus. After all, none of the early disciples believed in Jesus. Last week, we showed that you don't have to jump into the deep end of faith, that it's more than okay to, to dip your toe in and watch and, and wait. Wait. It's all true. And I believe it's something we need to hear as often as we can, you know, because we don't really do church in a vacuum, do we? You know, we hear a lot of other voices too. So it's not all about your feeling of certainty. It's not all about your faith experience matching up with what you've heard about other people's. But if you're still with us and you're still curious about or maybe even feeling pulled toward following Jesus, there's a pretty important question you're probably noodling over, and it's this. If you follow Jesus, where does it lead? Where are we going? What is that deep end like? What is the point? Is the point uh, so that you can be a better person? I mean, you will be following Jesus involves becoming more and more like Jesus so yeah you'll end up a better person than you were before you know you'll you'll forgive other people you'll be much more generous you probably won't feel like a better person if you ever feel like you're just killing it in this whole righteousness thing you're not but other people will notice a difference in you. However, when you read the Gospels, you'll never find a story of Jesus calling someone to follow him by telling them that they could do better. So if if that's not the point, well, maybe the point is going to heaven when you die. Not really, no. Uh, Jesus never really equates following him with going to heaven. Uh, In fact, in Luke 23, when Jesus is being crucified between two criminals, one of the criminals mocks Jesus, but the other one defends him. And Jesus told that one, today you will be with me in paradise. Doesn't get any more last minute than that, does it? That man didn't have the chance to follow Jesus, but still he gets promised heaven. That offer is good for all of us. That's how big God's grace is. You know, you can like ask your, your watch, Siri, uh, remind me to have a deathbed con- uh, conversion so I can save time on Sunday mornings. Um, so, the point isn't being better people and it isn't heaven. So maybe the point is uh, pain free, problem free living. No. Even if you've heard a good sales pitch from much better speakers than me with much better hair and much whiter teeth, uh, and it makes you think, ah, who could have hurt? What you're being sold there isn't following Jesus. What they're selling is magic. Magic promises pain-free, problem-free living. Jesus never does. Even if they throw Jesus' name in there a bunch, it's it's not Jesus, it's magic. And the thing about magic is that it works some of the time. Because things were going to work out anyway. Things have a tendency to do that. Magic is a trick that helps us sleep at night by having some illusion of control over things that are out of our control. You know, apparently dogs even do it. I found this story and I just have to share it. As some guy on the internet writes this about his dog, he says, My golden retriever leaves a shoe on the bed, without fail, for my wife and I to find if we're both gone at the same time. My theory is that she did it once and we came home, so now she does it every time we leave to ensure that we come back, like a doggy superstition. After doing this for years, my wife had to leave the state for a week. My first day back from work, there was a shoe on the bed, normal. After my second day, my wife is still gone, there were three shoes on the bed. After my third day returning from work alone, every shoe and boot in the house was on the bed and couches, and all my wife's dirty socks were in a bowl. How great is that? But that's us thinking that we can live a pain-free, problem-free life, whether it's a lucky rabbit's foot or a statue of St. Joseph buried in the front yard, or uh, have a need, plant a seed, it's all magic. Not following Jesus. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, and he meant it. So if those things aren't the point, what is the point? If you follow Jesus, where does it lead? Where are we going? Well, I'm going to tell you, but before I tell you that, I need to tell you this. I'm not there yet. I've only met a few people who seemed like they were, but I want what they have. And trust me, you do too. You know, the disciples and apostles didn't even get there right away, but they did get there eventually. It's not like the next baby step for any of us, but it's the direction that Jesus is calling us. Jesus says it over and over again in the Gospels. He modeled it and he lived it. He saw it in the future for his disciples. He wants it for you. He wants it for me. And if you follow Jesus, he will lead you to fearless faith. When you read the Gospels, you're going to hear Jesus say over and over again, Do not be afraid. Fear not. He says it so many times, you might start to miss it. But if you do, you're missing the point. You see, if we follow Jesus, he will lead us to have faith that overwhelms our fears. Now, this isn't the same thing as as being cocky or arrogant. You know, right now, the people who belittle others for living in fear by being safe and courteous... They aren't fearless, they're terrified. That's just how they compensate for it. No, the kind of fearless faith that is our destination in following Jesus is the kind that is aware that God is much more immediate to us than our circumstances are. The kind of fearless faith that Jesus wants for us is for people to know that God is with them and that nothing in the world that's happening compares to what is happening with God. Like the story Mark tells about when Jesus and his disciples got caught in a huge windstorm in a boat, and Jesus slept through it. And the boat was starting to sink, and they woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? They couldn't believe that something so terrible could be happening to them, and Jesus doesn't seem to notice. He doesn't seem to care. And then it says he woke up, And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? But then they started to get it because Mark says that now they were more scared than they were before. They were afraid before, but now they were terrified. They used to be afraid of what was happening outside the boat, but now they're in awe of who is in the boat with them. That's faith that overwhelms fear. It's not that the things you go through aren't scary. It's that the one who is with you is bigger and scarier and knows you and loves you. It's like Jesus says in Matthew 10, uh, Jesus was telling his disciples what it would mean for them to be the first leaders of his church, that it wouldn't be easy, that they would be arrested and beaten and hated, and that's what God needed for them to do then. It's not what Jesus needs for us to do now, thankfully, but the conclusion he gives them is just as much for us as it was for them. Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, I don't think this is as about us being afraid of hell so much as it is about how we get to fearless faith. Because there's one who can touch our souls, and only one. And that's the one we should fear. And this God isn't some distant tyrant. This God is someone as close to you as the air on your skin. Jesus said, uh, uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, or we're going to pause here and we'll cut to the scripture. So you just take this part out. It's like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs on your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. You see, God knows you. God knows things about you that you could never know yourself, and God is still on your side. Fearless faith means living like that is true. I mean, what if you woke up every day and asked yourself, what would I do if I was absolutely confident that God was with me? How would your life be different if you had that kind of faith? How would your family, your neighborhood, your community, how would they all be different? How would you be different if you lived with the absolute confidence that God was with you? Would you love more? Would you love fearlessly? Would you love like Jesus? It's okay that you don't right now, but you need to know this is where we're headed, all of us when we follow Jesus. Fearless faith means no longer fearing those people who can kill the body because you are absolutely confident that only one can touch your soul, and he's with you and knows your name and loves you. Have you ever known someone like that? Someone who, when terrible things happen, says things like, I'm just trusting God to see me through, and they they really seem to mean it. Don't you want what they have? I mean, maybe you think that if they were as smart as you are, they wouldn't be like that. But maybe you're wrong. Maybe it's real. Maybe you can get there too. Or if you can't trust those experiences, can you trust those from recent years history? I mean, this month, as we celebrate black history, can't you look to the stories of people like John Lewis and Martin Luther King Jr., who who had that fearless faith It can be yours too. Fearless faith is your destination if you follow Jesus. That's where we're headed. We won't get there right away, but you can see it in the distance. And boy, what a sight it is to see.